And of course, I had to hit my camera right as it starts. And I can say, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. It is great to have you guys on a Saturday afternoon. Schedule's been shifted around a little bit. And somebody muted my mic. Okay. I, I don't know how that happened. No. All right. Well, all right. Well, hopefully no more technical difficulties. I, of course, am Mark Williams, your host. And I'm joined by the host of The Good, Bad, and Ugly and uh, the final buzzer with John Volkowski, Mr. John Volkowski. Um, can we have Ryan Strom practice on some empty nets a little more? Oh, God, that was so unbelievable. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure, like... Uh, I don't even I don't even have a metaphor for it. And of course, the host of the clapping bombs, Anthony Larocco. Um, I'm really excited for the the gold medal matchup between Connor McDavid and Austin. Oh wait, sorry, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk yeah. about that. Yeah, we're gonna be talking more about the Olympics and stuff like that very shortly. Uh, but well, where we are gonna talk about, and we're gonna start out out west. And things are heating up quite a bit in the Western Conference uh, playoff race. Uh, the Calgary Flames acquiring Tyler Toffoli. And that, I think, guys, is a huge shot across the bow at the rest of the Western Conference teams. Yeah. And hey, who's somebody we talked about a lot last year? Jack Eichel returned to the ice for the first time in 11 months. And of course, since our last broadcast, the Edmonton Oilers fired Dave Tippett and then won four in a row. So I'm going to start with you, John. Who you got winning the Pacific Division? I got to go Vegas. I mean, you just got one of the best, one of the, I would say, the 10 best forwards in the league back. Uh, I mean, I know Mark Stone's going to be out, but they're going to, they're going to cap circumvent that because he's, he, he either has a lumbar or a cervical cap circumvention injury. Because, you know, they're pulling to Tampa. That's, that's how it is. And uh, they've still got an incredibly deep and stacked team, even without uh, Mark Stone. So I, I, I got to say that they're the favorites right now. And I, I like their goaltending. I like Robin Leonard. I like their defense. You got Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore. Zach Whitecloud is an unsung hero for them on defense. Uh, you know, Brady McNabb, they, they, they've got guys that can play up and down that lineup. And the Misfit line is still going to stay. Riley Smith ain't going anywhere now. So um, even if getting that. Yeah, every Ranger fan that hoped that uh, that, that was going to happen, not going to happen anymore. So sorry about that. And they just look like they're going to be the team that's going to take that division. Anthony, who do you got? I'm a big I'm a big fan of the Flames lately. I mean, they're on they're on fire, pun intended. Um, they're they currently are in first place in the in the Pacific. Um, and boy, could they score goals! I mean, they it seems like every night they're you know putting up four goals, five goals. I mean, Tyler Toffoli added to that mix. He already that already features Elias Lindholm, who's red hot. He's got goals in like six straight. Matthew Kachuk, Gaudreau. Um, I mean, it's just they 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 have a lot of guys that can put the puck in that they're deep. Um, and they have a good solid goaltender and Jacob Markstrom. Um, their defense is, I don't, I don't, it's not as good as some of the other teams, but, um, you know, they get by, uh, and again, right now they're, they're just, they're just red hot. And, uh, you know, I, I think I actually like their offensive group a little, a tiny bit better than Vegas's. Um, but yeah, right now they're just playing really well. It's going to be close. Honestly, I, I don't know who's ultimately going to win it. 
Um, but I, I think barring, you know, Drysaddle and McDavid, um, you know, being both supermen down the stretch, I, I think it's going to be one of those two teams. But right now I'm going to give a slight edge to Calgary. Uh, I think the Tol- the Toffoli acquisition um, was a good was a good coup for them. I have to agree with you 150% right there because the Toffoli acquisition, if it was, let's say, Toffoli to the Rangers or something like that, I'd be like, eh, okay, it's it's all right. This is huge because you're talking about a guy who's won two Stanley Cups with the head coach that's right there. He is uh, He's a 200-foot player. He's going to be phenomenal for the Flames. and I think he's playing on the third line right now and really strengthening that third line and that third unit. I'm, I'm leaving this up right now because plus 52 goal differential. Like, they are just eating up uh, teams. I mean, we were we, we, we got the three candidates to possibly to win the division. I'm just going to throw up Edmonton's numbers really quick. But uh, I think Vegas is going to be trying to figure out their lineups. In the meantime, the Flames got to figure it out. They might even add Mark Giordano again or somebody or a defenseman at, at the deadline. And that team, I th- I think I think they were Stanley Cup contender. I, and I, I I forgot to mention Andrew Majapani too. I mean, in that mix, he's goals. He's yeah, he's. I mean, like like you said, they're deep. They're deep. Yeah, and they're not getting anything out of Sean Monahan, so he improves a little bit. He's going to be real good. Um, Johnny Gaudreau's in a contract year and playing for a contract. Uh, and Jacob Markstrom's been playing really well. He, we had him, I think, at the quarter pole winning the Vesna trophy. And yep. it's, it, it's amazing. It's amazing on that. Now, the second half of that is, guys, we have five teams in the Pacific that are separated by five points for the final playoff spot, mm-hmm. and including one in the Central, the Dallas Stars. Who do you got getting the final spot in the West? Oof. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could you could also say the final two spots. I mean, Nashville is only what four four points uh, clear of the of being of on the outside looking in. Yeah, so, but Dallas has got two games at hand on Nashville. Yeah, then. Dallas has fifty six points. Nashville has sixty with fifty games played. Dallas has forty eight. Yeah. I mean, Anaheim's right behind them. This is going to be one hell of a race. Yeah, but... I, it's tough to say right now. Honestly, I don't. Boy, um, how'd that work out for Dallas with the games at hand last year? Yeah, I, mean, I, I know what you're saying, but it, it, it just it, you, you never know. You, you, you never, never know. So this this race is as close as it can be right now. You have six teams separated by eight points between Nashville, Los Angeles, Dallas, Anaheim, Winnipeg, and Vancouver. And if Winnipeg continues to or they go back to the way that they were playing before where they looked out of it and maybe they make a deadline deal and move a certain player. Uh, wink, wink. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, you never know what's going to happen there. So this is this is a wide, wide open race right now. I think it's even uh, just amazing that I could even mention the Vancouver Canucks in this. Yeah, <laughs> They were so far out of it. That's how well Brujo has got them going. So, uh, guys, I'm going to have to hold your feet to the fire on this one. Phil, who do you got for the, the final two spots? I'm, I'm going to say Dallas and Anaheim. Um, I, I like L.A.'s forward group. Um, they're hardworking. 
they're they play a good, sound, solid defensive game. I just don't trust their goaltending. And I think John Gibson's going to be able to steal a lot of games for Anaheim down the stretch. Um, I think this is where you're going to see the coming of age of a lot of Anaheim's young players like Trevor Zegras and Troy Terry and so on. So I think Anaheim is going to get it. I think Ryan Getzloff has been great for them. I think Anaheim is going to get a spot. Um, Dallas, they they have a veteran group as well. And I, I like Jake Ottinger better than I like any of uh, Los Angeles' goaltenders. Um, Nashville, I know they're the, the team right now, but I could easily see their offense struggling. And I, I, their defense is probably the best of all those teams, but – they just don't have that game breaker for me. Like, I, I, what happens with Philip Forsberg? Do you move him? Like, I, I don't, I, I don't know if Nashville can at this point, but do you move Philip Forsberg in the middle of a race? Uh, you know, to to ensure the the long term success of your franchise, because that's going to be the internal argument or discussion that's going to be had among uh, amongst Nashville's uh, brass and front office. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Dallas and Anaheim. Anthony, your final two Western uh, – sorry. Yeah, Western Conference wildcards. I'm, I'm going – I mean, Nashville's only two points behind St. Louis for third and only three points behind Minnesota for second. So I think although they're not that many points ahead of Dallas, you know, if you will, but I think they're in that tier with Minnesota and St. Louis. I, I don't see them missing the playoffs. So I say Nashville gets in. As for the last spot, I'm going to go – I'm going to go Dallas over over L.A. Um, I like L.A. They made a lot of strides this year. Um, I didn't think they were going to be, you know, this competitive, but um, I I just like the makeup of Dallas more. Um, I, I like Ettinger. Uh, Holtby's been decent for him, kind of bounced back a little bit. Uh, Pavelski's his age is still playing really, really good hockey. Um, my only concern is Ben and Sagan, but that's long-term. Um, for now, I, I think between, you know, Rope Hintz, and Jason Robertson, I, I think Dallas has enough to get in. So I'm going to say Nashville and Dallas are the last two. I'm, I'm going to stick with Nashville getting in. And I think, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to go with the LA Kings. I just think there's too much talent there. that They're they're probably going to do it. They're going to figure out how to get it done. Something about the, the Stars. I just think the Stars are going to fall mm-hmm. short. And it's not that I don't like the Stars because I, I I think they got they got some good – top end talent but it's they seem like they've just underperformed my first apology is to mr Falkowski, who will not be getting uh joe Pavelski to be wearing a rangers jersey this year but uh this that this is really shaping up and i would lo- i would i would pay money for vancouver to make the playoffs if you're telling me bruce brudrow can turn around a team that well wow that's just incredible so uh, we're actually going to move on to our to our next. Oh wait, sorry, did you say something? No, I just I, I saw a good comment here from Christopher Michael. Dallas seems more consistent. I, I'm I'm with you. I, I, just watching their games on a night in night out basis, they just seem like their their efforts and their their play are more consistent than a lot of these other teams. So I, I could definitely see Dallas <laughs> in one of those last two spots. Well, part of the problem, not part of the problem, but part of what helped them was their goaltending situation figured itself out. Hudobin got waived. Bishop retired. Ottinger's net. That's all you yeah, got to do. has been good. They've been a good tandem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Hey, guys, what do you think about uh, who's going to make the playoffs of the Western Conference? And who's going to win the Pacific Division? Uh, we're all, we got two of us saying the Calgary Flames. So 
Throw it all down in the comments below. By the way, everybody, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And also check out our library of videos. And we're going to move on and do some bar talk. And we're, we had a bigger show, but, you know, I, I was able to condense things down a little bit. And Anybody feel like day drinking? <laughs> Always. I'm going to take a shot on this one. You're going to see beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. By the way, in case if my voice sounds completely different, it's because I was in a shouting match with somebody last night about how LeBron James is not better than Michael Jordan. So uh, I, of course, took MJ. Whoever that guy is, I want to know what you're smoking because you're smoking some real good stuff, bro. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's like that's like trying to argue uh, Sidney Crosby over Gretzky. No, this is not happening. Anyway, guys, welcome back to Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we – Gauge our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you gonna be so confident? You're buying everybody around. Vodka. So, so, just a little, just a little beer, or you know, you really just need a shot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it might be early, but I could definitely use one. Usually, my golf game makes me take a shot this early. So, guys, we're gonna start by also mentioning you can watch the final buzzer after most Ranger games, hosted by Mr. John Polkowski right over there. And uh, he'll give his thoughts on post-game uh, New York Rangers uh, talk. Might scream but, a little bit too, so just forewarning. There you go. But that leads us to this topic. A team should be given a timeout to check if their goalie has a concussion. Mr. Fugalski. Find everybody around on that one. Um, after the concussion spotter protocol incident the other night with Igor Shesterkin, which was just madness, lunacy, it was a complete snafu. Um, something has to happen with this. It needs to be revamped. It needs to be changed. Um, you can't let a player go and play for another five minutes and then pull him with 40 seconds left in overtime. It, it's stupid. They messed up. I get it. I'm all for them wanting to, you know, properly, you know, spot and diagnose concussions, but the way they handled it the other night can never, ever happen again like that. Never again. So um, I'm buying everybody around on this. Anthony. Yeah, I don't I, I think I think they don't want to do that because if if you have to call timeout, you're and because I mean we don't know exactly how long, like once they get a spotter pulls a guy and goes into the locker room, they have to do all the tests. They don't want to delay the game for that long and wait for that goalie to be tested out. So that's why I don't think that will ever happen. Um wait, know, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, Mark. Now you're all right. So are you asking whether they should get a no no they should be given a timeout by the league like an injury timeout like in football like so the 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 game gets halted while the player gets tested and it doesn't resume until the player comes back or test them on the ice or something i don't know they, but you're you're oh. asking, you're asking to pull the goalie with 40 seconds remaining the way the rangers did you threw uh and by the way anthony i'm sorry about the wording on this maybe we should also uh how to implement this rule, I don't know. But you're telling me that in this particular case, uh, Igor Sesterkin flopped. And let's be honest, he flopped. He was trying to get a call. All right. He was also run into. Every goalie in almost the history of the league has done this. And and you're going to tell me, oh, they're just going to spot him and, and pull him? I didn't see any evidence that he had a concussion or anything like that. 
Anthony. Oh, by the way, I'm buying everybody around on this one. If you if you're giving me a, a thir- if you're giving me like a, a thirty second or a minute timeout or something like that, like it's yeah, not, like, I'm not saying to delay the game. Ice. Yeah, because I'm sorry, this needed to be a little more clear because that would have it would have influenced my answer a little differently. But if we're, if we're if we're talking like a thirty second timeout just mm-hmm. to kind of like you know get everything together. Um, you can't delay the game while the player is being- no, and I wouldn't say it forever. I'd be even like a sixty second timeout to have the 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 trainer go out and check him. Yeah, a sixty second timeout. Yeah, fine. Uh, that that's cool. That's fine. Yeah, we're yeah. not telling. We're not saying to delay it forever. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Anthony, hopefully that influences you. Yeah, but even still, even to give him a, t- a sixty second timeout for the trainer to come evaluate him. Either way. Um, a spotter would probably still want to take that player back in the tunnel and, and further evaluate him. A trainer can't really make that decision in 60 seconds. I, I, so I don't, I don't think. But even that, still, even could you get the, could you get the goalie off the ice for 60 seconds? Do like a TV timeout or something. Cause yeah, the goalie's too important. That would never it's, happen. The too important. It would never happen. All right. So that's a shot, right? Yeah. All right. My argument for that is always about competitive balance because if you got in the in the case of in the in the case of this, it's just it, what's the harm a team from running a goalie and then the spotter goes, all right, take him out. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you gotta always think what happens if it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals in overtime. But if it's under the same circumstances, that's what you do, guys. Who, you know who's been in trade rumors and a guy who I'd love if he was on my team any day of the week is Mark Shifley. And Mark Shifley is in trade rumors. The Rangers should trade for Mark Shifley, Mr. LaRocco. And should? Yeah, round. Will they? I, I don't know. Um, I, I know uh, it was Frank Cervelli who mentioned it. Um, Winnipeg is, what, four or five points out of a playoff spot? Uh, so unless they really fell out of it, I don't, I don't see them making, making a move like that in the season. So maybe would wait till the off season, but um, yeah, I mean, Shifley would fit for the Rangers. He could replace Ryan Strom. Um, I mean, Shifley is going to has, you know, a decent sized price tag, but more, more so than that, it would be the assets that would cost to get him. You know, he's a really good player, so he wouldn't come cheap. Um, and I don't think some Ranger fans would be happy with what they would have to part with, but um, he would he would make the team absolutely better. Um, so it's a round no-brainer. I just don't think Winnipeg's going to trade him this season unless they really, really fall off the rails. And I think you'd have to get a gold buying for him in order to do that. Philk? I'm going to say beer. Um, the reason why is because the cost might be very, very high, like Anthony said. It's it's a lot to give up, and there's no guarantee that you know that he's going to come in in the middle of this playoff run and gel, you know, sometimes players just don't because it it takes a while for them to adjust to a new team, new system, new line mates and everything like that. So, I mean, that's really the the big concern for me, um, or those are the two big concerns I should say, but um, they do need an upgrade in the top six. I I think he would be the guy. And if I have to uh, get Mark Shifley and then, have Ryan Strom be moved out. I, I I mean, I've always said, if you're going to move on from Ryan Strom and possibly upset Artemi Panarin, 
You're going to do it for someone who's a significant upgrade over Ryan Strom. Mark Shifley is a significant upgrade over Ryan Strom. So, beer. I have often said this, my two favorite players that are not on my team that I would take on my team in a heartbeat is Sebastian Ajo and Mark Shifley. Beer is my answer because I don't know what the assets are that you would have to do it. Yes, I would agree with David. I think it's more of a deadline, uh, a a trade, a draft day deal than a trade deadline deal. But then again, so was Jack Eichel. (laughs) Um, And it's just, I I just don't know where he would gel. And I also think the Rangers need to focus on improving their bottom six, not their top six. That's just, if you're, if you're going to be doing that. So moving on. Uh, here's a bit of a controversial topic the, the last couple of days, but Anthony, the Islanders have mailed it in. Um, you know, I, I, I would have, I, I really was planning on saying round, but, uh, they, I mean, they did play some inspired hockey, uh, the other day against Boston, but, um, either, either way they, uh, you know, it just seems like, you know, even though the players in, in press conferences will say, you know, they still believe in the room that they could do it you got to believe deep down that they know that, that they're going to miss it. And I think, I think that weighs on you mentally. Um, you know, and I think also the, the pending, you know, trade deadline with where they are, I think some guys, you know, might realize that Lou might shakes things up. And I, I really do believe they love each other in that room. And uh, you know, they got so close and they probably want to, you know, stay together. And I think all that weighs on them um, and it's affecting their play. But um, yeah, listen, it's tough when you have such high expectations as they did, uh, the success they had the last two years, and then you have this type of season. I, I just think it, it's, you know, there's really no other way to say it. It sucks. And I, I think they feel it. They feel the weight of that every single day. Um, and it's tough getting up in the morning knowing, you know, and playing a game when, you know, it might all be for not. So, yeah, I, I would like to think um, Lee and a lot of the veteran guys in the locker room, you know, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't allow that to happen. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are guys that are really still busting their ass night in and night out. But, um you know, I think I think their play has been uninspiring lately, and I, again, I think it's because where they are. And I, I again, uh, to repeat myself, I think it's just weight on them. It's taken its toll, and it showed. Oh, so it's around. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. All right, Philk. I'm gonna go beer here. Uh, I I don't think they've necessarily mailed it in, but um, I I don't think that they've they've got the the personnel really to kind of compete to the same level that they were last year. Like Kyle Palmieri obviously ended up being the bad choice over Jordan Everly. I, I said from the start that Jordan Everly, that loss was going to hurt them. He had clear chemistry with Matt Barzell, your team's best player. And you, you, you just lost a legitimate, I would say at least a top six forward. You could argue that he's probably, that he's a legitimate first liner. Like he's, He's right on that cusp. So um, you lose a guy like him. Kyle Palmieri is not productive. He's not a facilitator. He's a guy that really kind of just cashes in on opportunities. And there's no one really to create for him because Brock Nelson, as good of a player as he is, is not really a facilitator. He's he's a guy that's more of a finisher. So there, there's no real connection for him. Anders Lee is another guy that doesn't create his own offense. They don't have enough guys that create offense in that top six. And Oliver Wallstrom hasn't been put there because Barry Trotz, for whatever reason, seems to have a vendetta. I don't know if he, if he, Oliver Wallstrom, John Wicked Barry Trotz and like killed his dog or something. But um, 
I, I just don't get what the issue is there with Wallstrom. He's he's played great, and I think he deserves more of a chance. I I also tend to think that that defense just isn't good enough without having that that third um, you know top four option. And Noah Dobson and Scott Mayfield play the same side, so you can't really put them together. So the defense isn't nearly as good. And now Ilya Sorokin. Listen, Ilya Sorokin's a very good goaltender. He's going to have a very good career. But it, it, it's obvious that last year's defense and everything like that really helped him out at this point. So, you know, and, and that goes for almost any goaltender. You have the type of defense last year that the Islanders had in front of Ilya Sorokin, and then you go to this year's defense, the results are going to change. So if once they build back that team back up, we'll know where the Islanders really stand. But at the same time, I, I, I do think that the efforts could have been better from some of the guys. So give, give me more from Josh Bailey, who I think has been – he's been a freeloader this year, you ask me. That's the best way I can describe Josh Bailey's play. He's been an absolute freeloader. He hasn't, he hasn't pulled his own weight. And Kyle Palmieri has done nothing to earn any of that contract that he's got. So I'm going to say beer. I'm going to go beer too, because you know, you play for Barry Trotz. You're not going to just mail it in or phone it in or however you want to say it. Uh, the other thing I'm going to say with that is uh, yes. I think the weight of them and all the trials and tribulations that they've had this year is has gotten to them, but you know something they're going to start relaxing now. It, it might even be freeing for some guys. The other part of it that, that you alluded to Anthony is you got guys in the locker room that know they're probably playing their last game as New York Islander with their teammate, or if their teammates getting shipped out more than likely either uh, one guy we're about to mention in a moment, or it could be uh, Josh Bailey. Uh, there's another one, but um you know, they're still going to try, but it could also be somewhat liberating. Now you're going to get the young guys that have a chance to get in there and prove themselves, prove that they could, they could stay in the NHL. And hopefully that that's what they could do and move on from there. Uh, we are going to bring up one thing that happened because uh, Anthony, this has just been a little bit ridiculous and I got to get your opinion on this. Our friends over at all things Islanders uh, put up a post to uh, defend Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo because there are fans that just keep on saying, Oh, we gotta, we gotta get rid of those guys. Like what's your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are you have, you have idiots in every fan base. So when things are going bad, the idiots come out and they say things like Trotz and Lou should go. Um, but yet when, you know, they were one game away from going to the Stanley cup finals, you know, everything was great, you know? So, um, I don't really pay any attention to it. Um, I, I think that uh, Trotz and Lou um, are really the reason why the Islanders have had the success they've had the last three years. Um, I mean, there was there was a um, I don't know which athletic I don't know which athletic reporter did it, but there was like a, a couple of weeks ago there was a poll and he he asked like executives and agents various questions from you know best arenas to play in, and one of the questions was to an agent. Where do you steer your Where do you steer your your clients to in terms of free agency when it comes to trying to pick a place you want to you want to play? The Maple Leafs and Canadians are one and two, uh, and then the Rangers and Islanders were both next with three votes each, um, and that speaks volume to the culture 
that Lou Lamorello has brought to the island. You know, 10 years ago, you know, the Islanders would have been at the bottom of that list. Now they're respected because of Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz. And then, yes, they have world-class facilities now, like the Northwell Ice Center where they practice and Belmont. So, um, no, these people are morons. Trotz and Lamorello um, are, are probably, for my money, you know, top top three best combo in, in all of hockey when it comes to GM coach. Um, and listen, they just had a, they just had a bad year. You know, it's, that's all you can say. It's not Trotz's fault. Yeah. You criticize him for how to use Wallstrom and that's fair. But other than that, I mean, he's a fantastic coach. His record shows, um, I mean, and, and big Lou, what else, what else can you say about big Lou? I mean, he's, he's just big Lou. Phil, uh, Phil, your thoughts. And then I'm going to hit on something that Anthony just said right there. I, it just, I, I get it. Like there are times where things just go wrong and it looks like the players tune out the coach. I don't think the players are tuning out the coach. I don't think any of this is Barry Trotz's fault. It's Lou Lamorello's fault more than anything because he made the wrong decisions with the wrong players. You, you, you wanted Kyle Palmieri there. I, I said that Jordan Everly was the guy that you did not want to get rid of. And I, I wouldn't have taken Kyle Palmieri over Jordan Everly. I know you needed goal scorers, but you also need guys that facilitate offense. And you you shouldn't have shouldn't have done that. Um, the other thing I would say is that you did nothing to replace Nick Letty. And I, I get it. They were in a bind. But Noah Dobson doesn't play the left side. You're, you're not going to put him on the left side. You're going to keep him on the right because if you ask me, he's the best defenseman on this team going forward. Noah Dobson will be the best defenseman on this team. So I, I, I think Lou Lamorello, you know, bringing in like the fourth liners and giving them big deals and then J.G. Pajot, yes, J.G. Pajot has been good for them. But that was a big contract to give to a bottom six player when you already had bottom six depth. And you 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 didn't expose Cal Clutterbuck in the expansion draft. And you, you, brought, you went with Jordan Eberle there. I, I don't get – See, these decisions I just don't get. So I, I get why Lamorello should be getting some heat because I think that some fans are making him immune to criticism and above above reproach, and I, I don't like that because I think that he's been off his rocker a little bit for a while. So, but um, I know they shouldn't be fired. But yeah, there should be some criticism, or, uh, criticism towards Lou Lamorello. Uh, the number one thing, and by the way, criticism is one thing. Everybody has a bad season. Everybody has a bad shift. Everybody has a bad game. You get, you give them some criticism. Trots, we talked about it with playing the young players. Lou with some of his personnel decisions. But Anthony hit on one thing. It's the culture. The Islanders are now a, a destination for free agents. They're closer to the New York Mets versus the Yankees as far as that goes. As far, I mean, a few years ago, I don't even know if free agents would have gone there. Andrew Ladd went there, and they overpaid to get him. And that's what Lou has done with Trotz and Ledecky. Let's give Ledecky some credit on this, too. Because this team, what they used to have to do is they used to have to trade to get guys. Now they can actually go out and sign free agents with that cap space that Lou Lamarillo managed to get. So it's... It, it's not the end of the world. It's one bad season, but they're going to retool next year and see how it goes. All right. I've mentioned, Anthony, one possible 
trade target for or tradable piece for the New York Islanders. But Anthony Beauvillier is most, the most likely Islander to be moved. Um, beer. Uh, I, I think um, I think it's actually uh, Cal Clutterbuck. Uh, the fourth period reported that the Clutterbuck, um, you know, very well might be traded by the trade deadline. Uh, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, and there are a lot of teams who like his who like his grit and the and what he provides to your bottom six on the penalty kill. So um, I, I think Clutterbuck might go um, as it is. Um, I, I have a feeling that this might have been the last year where they had the identity line intact. Um, I think they, you know, with with re-signing Ross Johnston, I, I think they might think that Johnston. Um, brings at this point brings more of a, a game than Clutterbuck just due to age uh, at this point uh, and also cost. Or he might bring back Zach Parise, who I've always said um, I've loved the hustle he's brought. I don't. I really really wouldn't have an issue with him on the fourth line next year. But to circle back on the point, I think Clutterbuck's going to be the guy that that will go um, if he wants to make a bigger trade. Yeah, I could maybe see Bovillia going, but he's only gonna go in a hockey trade. They're not they're not gonna just they're not gonna sell him off. You know, he's signed and he's young. So if Bovillia goes, it's gonna be in a hockey trade where, you know, they trade him for, you know, like a, a top four D uh or something of long of that ilk. Um other than otherwise I don't really see him being moved uh, maybe in the off season, uh, but certainly not at the deadline. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go beer, uh, and it's gonna be Cal Clutterbuck if I take a guess. Philk. I'm gonna say beer. Um, the reason for it being that I I think the Islanders, if anything, their primary um, goal would be to make a hockey trade at this point. If they make a deal, I, I think they end up standing pat. I, I, I just I don't know if I really see them doing anything because I don't know if the type of players that they want will be available come this deadline and the assets that will cost to get those players will be realistically available from an Islanders perspective. I don't think Lou would want to move someone like Beauvillier. Um, I, I think if anything that uh, – like Anthony said, he's going to be available in a hockey trade. I don't know who's really going to be available in that type of trade at, by the deadline. Maybe in the offseason could that happen? Sure. But um, I also think it's kind of a mistake to move him. I, I think he's the player that they want. I just think that he needs a reset on this season, just as a lot of guys do, and just start fresh next year. So I'm going to say beer. Um, I'm actually going to go, you know what, I, I'm going to go shot on this. And I know that the Islanders might want to retool and everything, but Anthony just convinced me it's going to be Cal Clutterbuck. Cal Clutterbuck is what's what's one thing that everybody wants during the um during trade deadline. You need depth, and you need a depth defenseman, and, and that's going to be Cal Clutterbuck. So they're going to. How much does he have to give though? I that's a great question. I doubt he's, he's going to be Sean Bergenheim. I'll tell you no, that he he doesn't he doesn't really look great. Even this season, you know, like you're asking him to be a fourth line player. That's all you're asking him to be. He's going to and he might. And who knows? I mean, I mean, might have a change of scenery and might get a little bit of a rush. And but Anthony's right, though. Anthony's right, though. Ross Johnston looks better than Cal Clutterbuck at this point. Like I, I, I even watching the games like I even 
thought that. And I, I don't like Ross Johnson at all. But Cal Clutterbuck looks like he's just a, a, cor- a shell of himself. Years of years of uh, laying the wood on people. It takes an effect on you, not just the, play, the people that you hit. Guys, there is a slight playoff race in the Eastern Conference, and the Red Wings will catch the Bruins. Filk. Uh, shot. Uh, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna stay close. Um, I, I think they're they're an inspired young team. They're hungry. I just don't think that they have the uh, the pieces really to kind of get there. They're just not there yet. Their um, their goaltending is meh. I mean, Grice was good for them against the Rangers the other night, but the yeah, that force field he put up that Strom missed that empty net. Yeah, Strom missed an empty net, which would have won them the game in the shootout. Adam Fox fumbling the puck because the the ice was bad there. Um, I mean, the Rangers also shot themselves in the foot in that game. It, they they started off bad again, which needs to be corrected. But the but the Red Wings are about Detroit. I know, I know. I'm just saying. But the Red Wings are a team that are a young team that still has to learn from these types of games. And that's why I don't see it happening. Anthony. Uh, I don't see either, but I'll go, I'll go beer. Um, not instead of a shot, there's six points behind Boston. That's so it's certainly shouting distance. Um, you know, they're a younger team. Boston's an older team. Uh, but like Phil said, they're young. Um, they're, they'll still, they're still learning. I mean, Dylan Larkin has been out, out fabulous for Detroit this year. Um, you know, he's got what, 25, 26 goals, I believe, uh, around there. I mean, he's been great. Lucas Raymond, you know, was in the call of contention. I mean, Murray Sider, he's been, uh, he's been really, really good for them. Yes. Um, you know, you, even, even guys like, um, you know, Robbie Fabry have, 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 you know, been pretty good for them. Um, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi. So they, they got skill. They got talent. Um, not this year. I mean, I, I think in due time, the Red News will get back in. Uh, and I do think they might make Boston sweat a little bit. You know, I'm not really a big believer in Boston. Even if they get in, I think Boston's probably done in the first round. Um, this might be their last last hurrah, really. I mean, Bergeron's getting older. Um, but that's a different topic. But um, I, I think the Bruins will edge them out. But I, I think the Red Wings will make it close. I'm going to go beer, too, for also the word catch. They might actually at one point literally tie the, the Bruins. Bruins have three games in hand, so all the Bruins would need to do is just win the games in hand, then they're not going to get caught. Uh, the Bruins, I think their goaltending situation, similar to Dallas, might have figured itself out by uh, Omark not being that great, Jeremy Swayman being the guy up there, and Tuka Rask retiring. So... Uh, that could have saved their season instead of doing like a goaltending three-headed monster, which definitely works, David Quinn. And it's, you know, I think, I, I actually, I think they might catch him. I still think it's the Bruins. Uh, but I would love it if the Red Wings could make an end because Steve Eisenman doing a hell of a job in Detroit. All right. Oh, and actually, I never flashed the points up there. Oops. <laughs> All right. Um, hey guys, so uh, who'd you have winning the Super Bowl last week? Who do you think was gonna win? I thought the Rams were gonna win, but I really didn't care. All right, but what the Rams have the Rams had a quarterback who languished in a losing organization and then was set free and played really well in the playoffs. 
So, following Matt Stafford's example, Jack Eichel will succeed for the Golden Knights in the playoffs. I'm going to start this one, boys, and I'm going to buy everybody around because when the Golden Knights make the playoffs, and they will, Jack Eichel will play like a man possessed for them because he has never had this opportunity. And and who knows? They might be He might be looking across the way at Connor McDavid, and maybe there's a little bit extra motivation. I just think he's going to turn in a great, a great playoff round, even if they're not going to be that successful or if they're out in the first round. Eichel will play well. Anthony. Um, a beer. Uh, I, I think he definitely will be fired up to play in the playoffs for sure. I mean, that's what he's craved. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, are you insinuating like he's going to go win the Stanley Cup and like have all that? I mean, that I don't know, but – I mean, he's we going to play well. That's what I'm just know, trying to we say. We all know he's a great player. Um, so, I mean, I don't think that he's going to flop, but um, I know I'm not ready to say he's going to like, you know, you know, win the Conn Smythe and lead the playoffs in scoring. So, uh, but yeah, no, like I said, he's going to be really motivated to play in the playoffs. I'm sure he's going to be jacked up and, you know, he'll certainly give Vegas a competitive edge. Um, but I'll, I'll go with beer. Felk. <clears throat> I'm going to say beer because, uh, I mean, and it also depends on the wording. Are, are we talking about the playoffs this year? Are we talking about down the road? Because this year, this year specifically. I mean, this year, you got to remember, he's just coming back from an injury, like a major, major injury that could affect his his mental state of mind. You know, it, it, it's he could he could be healthy. But again, he could also be out there afraid to, you know, possibly you know, take a, a big bump that that hurts him again. So I don't know. I, I, I agree with Anthony that he's going to be fired up to play uh, and, and you for that point as well. Um, I, I just think that you're also looking at a player that's going to be playing in the playoffs for the first time. And this is mm -hmm. somebody that hasn't played in an Olympics or any type of real meaningful game at any point in his NHL career. He hasn't played in a meaningful game since the national championship game in the NCAA. And that was what, seven years ago now going on? Yeah, seven so, years ago. I, I mean, really, you think about it, he he hasn't had a, a situation where he's had any pressure on him in a very, very long time. So um I don't know. I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say beer here. It wouldn't shock me if he did play well and he was like a close to or a point per game player in, in their run. But I just think that's a lot to ask for a player that's coming back fresh off of an injury that hasn't had any type of meaningful game played in the last seven years. So, Assuming the season ends the way we think it might, Knights versus Edmonton Oilers in the first round. Wow. What a series that's going to be. All right. Well, I don't think on. that's even going to be a great series. I think Las Vegas would trounce them. All right. All right. Here we go. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov is a dark horse MVP candidate. Mr. Larocco. Uh, yeah, round. Um, you know, Kirill the Thrill um, has been fantastic for, for the Wild. Um, he's in the top 10 in scoring. Uh, you know, he, he leads the Wild night in and night out. Um, his skating ability is phenomenal. His shiftiness, uh, you know, he really, he, he really, you know, kind of, just made the wild from like a blah organization to an exciting team to watch. I mean, he really is the worth the price of admission. Um, you know, I, I think without him, the wild aren't anywhere close. They are with the success they had. 
Um, I don't think he's going to win it because uh, I just because I think Huberto has been just as good. Uh, but I think he should certainly get recognition for it. Philk, this is an easy round. Uh, I, I mean, again, a- Anthony talked about he's he's seventh in NHL scoring right now. And the guys in front of him, with the exception of Nazem Kadri, all have three or more games played. And the guys in front of him all have a significant amount of offensive talent or a significant amount more of offensive talent on the team with him. I mean, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Jonathan Huberto are all the leaders. Huberto has Barkov on his team, on his on his line practically. They, they, they usually play together. They happen in a bit, but they're on the same power play. McDavid and Dreisaitl play together on the power play and sometimes on a line together. Johnny Gaudreau has guys like Elias Lindholm, Matthew Kachuk, on, uh, now Tyler Toffoli on that team. Kaprizov, who does he have? Matt Zuccarello? And then the young guys, Matthew Boldy, uh, Marco Rossi, guy, guys like them. Alexander Ovechkin, who's one point ahead of him. Has Nick Backstrom, Benny Kuznetsov, TJ Oshie, you know, Tom Wilson, John Carlson. Who, who does Kaprizov really have? So um, I'm, I'm buying a round on this. I'm going to say beer for a different reason. I don't think he's a dark horse candidate. I think he's just a candidate. That's that's the only reason why. You want to talk about a dark horse candidate? Johnny Gaudreau might be a dark horse candidate. But... I don't think Gaudreau's a dark horse candidate. I think he's a legitimate candidate. I think if you if you gave me the guys that should win the MVP right now, I would put Huberto at one and I'd put uh, Gaudreau at two because Calgary without Gaudreau's production is nowhere. Well, uh, this has been this is going to be a really interesting MVP race, and I got to say, Kirill the Thrill. You look at those numbers. I, I had incredible. to get the comment in there. Yeah. You know I had to get that comment in there from Stephen. I, I mean, always love that one, Stephen. I He's love right, that one. He turned the side salad into an actual meal. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you got those guys, those those three that we just named. Plus, uh, I mean, Igor Sesterkin is going to get some recognition for the 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 MVP. It's it's going to be interesting. Look at it's, that. It's... Hartman and Zuccarello <laughs> are his line mates. Yep. It's not yep. like Huberto in Florida, who's playing with a with a ton of talent. Florida is, what, the second best offensive team in the league right now by goals scored? They're yep. only behind Colorado, I think. Or, yeah, or, I mean, they're, they're incredible. They, so, they're, they're really – Minnesota and, – and by the way, guys, while we're right here right now, is the time now for Minnesota? Phil? No. No, if you're, are you asking whether they should make an all-in move? Yeah, no, no. Even with those fourteen million dollars worth of cap penalties the next two years. Okay, so then how are you going to deal with that when you make that all-in move? Good question. Okay, so your all-in move, you know who that's going to require to be moved, right? No. <laughs> See, this is these are things you got to think about. Matthew Boldy is going to be required to be in that type of all-in move. Mm-hmm. And Marco Rossi is more than likely to be. Uh, Marco and, Rossi. And he's going with yeah. Addison. You got to think about that too. You're going to move Kalen Addison, who's your, probably your best defensive prospect right now. And you're, what are you going to have? You're going to need young ELC talent to come in these next two, three years. Because those buyout penalties are ridiculous. By the way, it was kind of funny how we had Anthony in frame and then he just stood up for a second and completely disappeared. So 
Uh, so, all right, moving on. And we'll start here with you on this one, Phil. The asking price for Brendan Hagel is insane. Uh, everybody, you're going you're gonna to day drink with me on this one because I'm buying everybody rounds. I'm buying everyone everywhere rounds on this because you're going to ask for a, a package that's one less asset than what Jack Eichel returned for Brandon friggin' Hagel, who's shooting at 19% and has done what in his career before this? Nothing? Listen, I'm not going to sit here and make fun of Brandon Hagel or take shots at him because I think he's a good young player. I think he'll be a very good middle six forward going forward. But a first round pick, because Jack, Jack, here, the asking price on him, Jack, by the way, is a first round pick, uh, a top prospect, and another asset, according to Frank Saravalli, by the way, who was reporting this. So um, you're going to give up that for Brandon Hagel as opposed to giving one more piece up for Jack Eichel? Get the hell out of here. I thought that Vancouver and British Columbia had some great weed asking for Braden Schneider for JT Miller. Chicago <laughs> is really smoking some fat blunts. They are like Blunt Man and Chronic from Jay and Silent Bob over <laughs> there asking for this for Brandon Hagel. Like, I, I get it. Chicago has no reason to give up Brandon Hagel. But that asking price, stupid. Get out of here. Anthony. Yeah, it's, it is. Um, it's kind of how, like, uh, Paul Gostad, the goose is on the loose, received the first oh, round God. years ago. Um, it's, it's like the it's like a similar, a similar situation um, if he were to land the first. Although – I'll say I, I think I think Hagel's more talented than Paul Gostad was. Gostad was like a bigger, more like checker. But yeah, um, yeah. Even even still, I would say a first for Hagel is a little too high. But if they listen, if they get someone paid the price, good for them. I gotta say, uh, yeah, I agree with you guys because when Philk and I were talking about this uh, before you, well, we wait for you to get it home. Uh, I do have to say when he when he said the asking price on Brandon Hagel is insane. My first words were who? Uh, it's not that I just I didn't really think about him right away. And then it was, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Because I always think Hagel and Bagel, you know, New Yorker can't help but do that. But it's just it's just no. Uh, I mean, Jacob Chikrin, you're asking for Jacob Chikrin value. Come on. No, absolutely not. So. Going on to our last one, and I, I think I flashed Hagel's numbers, by the way, before. Yeah, you did. But David Quinn will get another NHL head coaching job. Uh, Anthony, I'm just going to put down my pen, relax, and listen to John's response. Listen, I get that there's no NHL players at these Olympics, but – even a, a Team USA roster, I, icing these guys should have been better than Sweden, should have been better than a lot of other teams, maybe Sands, Russia. But for them to get ousted the way that they did and, and not even medal, it, it's just pathetic. And and David Quinn's, the, the things that he said afterwards, are, 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 are you've got to be kidding me. Oh, we, we didn't lose. We just lost shootouts. Do you ever, ever in your life take any shred of accountability for 
anything that goes wrong against you, David Quinn. Like, honestly, like, you don't, like, yeah. And then, Stephen, here, they benched Matty Beneers there late, and he was probably the best player on the team. Like, David Quinn doesn't know what he's doing. He's a clown. The Rangers stint proved it. This proves it. If he gets another job in the NHL, I told you so when your team falls apart under him and they start ignoring him again. Because this guy has no idea of what he's doing. Everything that Ryan Spooner said when, no, Ryan Spooner doesn't know what he's talking about because he's playing in the KHL. Shut up. Shut up. That guy played under him. And all the things that he said lined up exactly with every other gripe that every other player said about David Quinn. David Quinn should be an assistant in the NCAA. He shouldn't even be a head coach because he had Jack Eichel and he couldn't win an NCAA title with the second best player that's ever played in the NCAA. Yeah, Johnny Gaudreau, I'm including you in that discussion, but you're behind Eichel because you had a much better team around you at BC. And Paul Correa was just the best player that we'll ever see play in the NCAA. And we're never going to see another one like that ever again. So for you to bench Beneers, your best player, in the final minutes of a game which you needed a goal after blowing a lead, because you know, your team played so great for you, David, then maybe, maybe something is wrong with you, David Quinn. Maybe it's time for you to take accountability for all the things that you've done wrong and actually start working on your craft because you're dog shit at it. So I, I, I just, I don't see why guys like this continue to get a chance. Like we talk about, you know, culture changes and coaching changes and moving on from old guards in hockey because they keep continuing to go back to these guys that it's proven that it doesn't work. Ken Holland, he got another job with Edmonton. Well, he screwed up Detroit in his last, what, 10 years there? He screwed them up. That's why they fell apart the way that they did because Ken Holland didn't know what the hell he was doing. Lou Lamorello, in his time in New Jersey, screwed them up for his last, what, five to ten years. And and now David Quinn, is. if he gets another chance, whoever hires him is a clown. Clown. Don't hire this guy. This guy sucks, and he has a horrible attitude. That's it. So will he get another head coaching job? <laughs> so that's what you guys are laughing about. The fact that I didn't give an answer in terms of yeah, still I, do you really have to ask me that? Answer that I guess it's shot. All right. Gee, I, I wonder, Mark. Anthony. Um I'll go I'll go with the beer. Um I mean, listen. Uh, Fred Flintstone got another job as a you know assistant coach, and he's as an assistant as a, as a though. Coach. Yeah, I know that. Um, but the fact that he he was even able to get a job as an assistant leads me to believe uh, that maybe Dave Quinn, David Quinn, can get another job as the head coach at some point because um, I think he was maybe at least a little better than than uh, Fred Flintstone. But um, I mean. I I never th- honestly I never thought Dave Haxtall would get another coaching job, uh, and he did. So I, I think there will be another team out there that gives David Quinn a shot. It's beer. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go beer too, and the reason why is because I think some other team is gonna do it, and I don't think it's gonna be a big market. I think it's gonna be a small market. I think somebody like maybe Arizona or Buffalo, they just end up 
I mean, just I'm talking about eventually, not even just right now. But I mean, uh, somebody's going to just take a shot and be like, oh, this guy's got the moxie. He'll come in. He'll wow in an interview. And then when you realize, oh, well, my your team was up to nothing and uh, you failed to score. You didn't really take chances. And then, oh, you you lost technically in a shootout we really didn't lose in any of the hockey games a shootout is part of the game (laughs) david so it's it's just like i mean and and i think the kid the the slovakian netminder he was the kid in the world juniors right because he played uh, if if that's i forgot if that's the same kid he played great in the world juniors but still come on team usa yeah 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 he, he, they had an easy chance to try to get a medal, never mind a gold medal, which we haven't gotten since the, um, and I could say we because I'm American, that uh, they haven't gotten since Lake Placid. So, come on, and the the effort in in the third period, and then of course sitting uh, a number two overall draft pick. Come on, the, the, I, but you know what? I still think somebody's going to give him a shot at some point. Well. So, what do you guys think? Do you think uh, David Quinn's going to get another head coaching job? Do you think that I got to think about all of our topics? I think the Red Wings are going to catch the Bruins. You think Kirill Kaprizov is a dark horse MVP candidate or just a, a uh, MVP candidate? Uh, or Anthony Beauvillier, the most likely Islander to move, or is it going to be Cal Clutterbuck? Should the Rangers go after Mark Shifley? Put all down in the comments below, guys. Thanks for listening to our extra long bar talk. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, I actually have an editorial if you guys, uh, would like to hear. Okay. Yeah. We will. All right. So in that case, there's a, here's a, here's a rare episode of on the mark. This prediction that's right up here. Uh, being single most of my life. Or just yell at Larry Brooks like every other New York Ranger. <laughs> I still love the, the Goombas that just are, are chanting Mark Mark. Uh, a what? Nothing played on my end. Oh, all right. Well, I played on mine. Did? Yeah. It did. All right. Well, either, did bar, either did the bar talk when we did bar talk. It didn't. It didn't play. That's a little bit I weird. That, that played on mine yeah. too. Yeah. No. That. That's why I was like, uh, this prediction that's right up here. But just play it again magically. I don't know. Well, why. I I tested it to see if it would show up on mine. It doesn't. All right. Wow, well, that's so weird. That's weird. That's that's weird. Well, uh, I'll put that in the comments. Yeah, we'll edit that uh, for them. But so here we go, guys. And uh, there was a return to Madison Square Garden this week. Uh, we've had a lot of returns for a lot of players, Matt Zuccarello, Henry Gonquist. But when you got a guy from a prominent hockey family who is a first-round draft pick and – Mark Stahl has had a roller coaster of a career, especially as a New York Ranger. And he played the second most amount of playoff games in Rangers history. And he came in highly touted prospect. Of course, his, we all knew his brother, Eric and uh, his brother, Jordan. And he scored his first NHL regular season goal on Marty Brodeur. He would do it in the playoffs on Marty Brodeur. And everything seemed like this guy was really going to be the heir apparent to lead the Rangers for years to come. Then 2011 happened. 
he had a concussion from of all people, his brother. And that kind of derailed the start of the 2011-2012 season for him. And Stahl, to his credit, worked his way back. Uh, I never really had as many concussion problems after that, but that was just the start of all the health problems for him because 2013 happens where he's hit in the face by uh, Kimo Timonen's deflected shot. Uh, after that, everybody started wearing the visors. He always had one all the way down. Uh, he's He blocked almost as many shots as any other Ranger defenseman, and that included Dan Girardi, who had so many block shots. But Mark Stahl gave it his best for the New York Rangers, and honestly, you looked at him and just went, this guy was held together by duct tape at the end. And, I mean, rumors that the Rangers might want to try to go get him again, uh, maybe for one more playoff run. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't see that. But, I mean, I certainly, I know Mr. Falkowski would like to have him over Patrick Nemeth. But it's just, Mark Stahl, you, you sometimes think about a career that could have been, but also a career that was very much earned. And yes, a lot of Ranger fans had the ire with him because of his contract. Uh, I was one of those people that said in 2015, you let him walk because you can't give him that contract. The Rangers did. They were loyal. But uh, I'm going to go back to you guys and say this guy had a career that you you got to wonder how much the injuries took a toll on him. Um. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I, I think that wasn't the only thing that really killed his career. The concussion was the first step. And then he came back in 2012 and he looked pretty good. He wasn't dominant as he was previously, but he also wasn't playing against top level uh, parent or top offensive units anymore because Ryan McDonough was fielding a lot of that with Dan Girardi because that, that was the pair afterwards. Which was a blessing in disguise for the yeah. Rangers in 2011. Yeah, of course, of course. But um, it, it's the, the biggest thing that really killed Mark Stahl was the increase in speed of the game. Um, and, and David's right here. You, 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 can't, it, you can't blame him for accepting the money. You can blame Glenn Sather for giving him and Girardi those dumb contracts, though, when the, the dawn of analytics – and even the eye tests were both telling you that these guys were not going to age well, and they didn't. And right. And also, uh, I've said it over and over again. And by the way, uh, David, you're 100% right on that. Most of the time, fans will end up taking out their frustrations on the player, not on the GM or the coach. Even, even yeah. New York and it's, it's, it, I, that's all Glenn Sanders' fault. But Mark Stahl, um, there were signs that were telling you that that wasn't a good contract to give. He shouldn't have gotten a raise. If they wanted to keep him at the same price, okay. I would understand it. Long-time guy was still like a borderline top four guy at that point. But Anton Strawman had clearly carried him those last couple of years uh, that Strawman was there. Uh, the biggest thing, though, like I said, is the increase in speed of the game. He just His skating never improved. It, it, it just got worse with age. And he just couldn't keep up with the uh, he couldn't keep up with the speed with the game on top of you know everything and the eye injury really hurt him because there were a lot of times where you could see that there were guys that were in his, that like were in his peripheral vision that he couldn't see anymore 
So yeah. they uh, they went. He just he just didn't age well because of that, and the speed in the possession. But you know, he, and and Rich is right here. Stall never mailed it. In. That was my issue. That was never my issue with Mark Stahl. It was never that he was ever mailing it, and he just he was just a shell of himself, and it happens. And and unfortunately, a lot of things just piled up and piled up and piled up and it snowballed eventually. And it just, it sucks, but you know, it, it, Mark Stahl was a good guy. He was great in the community here. He was a leader. He was well-respected in a locker room and the 2021 season with the loss of, of Stahl and Lundquist in the locker room really showed that they missed his leadership because the Tony D'Angelo incident happened Mm-hmm. And there was no one to help regulate that. And that had to go up to the general manager. And that would have never, I said, like I said, you have and president, Mark, by the way. Yeah. And president, you have Mark Stahl and Henrik Lundqvist in that locker room. That nonsense never happens, never happens because they didn't have a leader to, to handle that type of thing. So um, that, that definitely hurt, but Mark Stahl just wasn't worth the money he was getting in New York. And that trade had to happen. So I've said before, I'll say it again. When that, when those contracts came down, there were three contracts that you've, that you had in front of you. It was going to be um, Ryan Callahan, Dan Girardi, Mark Stahl, guys that gave their bodies every single shift. And you knew they they weren't going to fulfill those contracts. You can give out one of those contracts. You can't give out two and you certainly couldn't give out three. Ryan Callahan was moved out from Marty St. Louis. Dan Girardi got his contract. And uh, and I, I feel Dan Girardi earned the money. I know that he's got detractors. Uh, and But mm. I've also said, Mark Stahl, his, his injury situation, you could not give him that contract. And they did. It's, um, But again, it's not anything against Mark Stahl because I think he still played well. Had Stahl got injured, yes. Uh, first... Rich, you're 100% right on one thing. I still want, would love to see the parallel universe when Michael Sauer still had a career with the New York Rangers and got up and never was concussed. But Yeah, I, I think if Michael Sauer never got hurt, I think Michael Sauer eventually plays his way onto that pairing with McDonough and you're moving Dan Girardi down a pair. You're moving Mark Stahl down a pair. Mm-hmm. And that transition would have been better for the team going forward and that unit would have been better as a whole for that obviously so that would have that would have helped everything it was just the and but that that, this was the biggest thing though you know steven says it here you know it it wasn't strawman for Boyle; it was strawman for girardi and that was the big mistake that they made and that's yeah part of the reason why this team's defense went down the hill so fast if you have anton strawman there to continue to carry Mark Stahl for a little bit, you could mask Mark Stahl's deficiencies at that point, but his deficiencies were made abundantly clear against Tampa and the way that the the game was going, the direction the game was going into, you knew that it was more going to be more about puck possession and skating and speed. And Mark Stahl just couldn't keep up. Neither could. And also you want to talk about things that masked what was going on. How about the fact that the Rangers were able to move Michael Dozato for Kevin Klein? Because when that happens, yeah. then you you had another defenseman who could jump up, either play on the top, any one of the pairings. He usually played on the third pairing, but he's 
was very steady for the New York Rangers and he masked a lot of problems as, as we went over. Um, it's, but with Mark Stahl, I don't know if he's going to get the appreciation that he deserves for the effort that he put in. I mean, they gave him this uh, standing ovation at the garden and tribute uh, the other night, but sometimes it's just like, he just, like, he, he looked like he was going this way. And then suddenly 2011 and it was just going down like that. And he, he did kind of go, have a couple inclines, but just, uh, Got to wonder sometimes what might have been with him if he was ever 100% healthy. And yes, if uh, his if his uh, career, um, sorry, if his uh, skating improved. So, guys, what do you think? Uh, Mark Stahl appreciated in his own time. Throw it all down in the comments below. We're going to start taking some questions uh, right now. And uh, yeah, I got a great comment here. You know, if Michael Sauer never gets hurt, I totally agree with this, Rob. I totally agree. If if Sauer never gets hurt, I, I I definitely think that they they beat the the Devils in the conference finals. You were running five defensemen. Stu Bickle was playing about a minute and a half per game in the playoffs. Um, yeah, they they ran five defensemen essentially. So yeah, that that six defensemen really would have helped them. Um, and and Boyle, David again, Boyle wasn't replacing Strawman. The, the decision came down to Girardi. That's why they signed Boyle to a two-year deal. It wasn't about it wasn't about Strawman versus Boyle. It was Strawman versus Girardi, and they kept the wrong guy. I think it was also the hope that uh, Boyle was going to be the power play quarterback this team sorely needed, and yeah. then the Keith Yandel trade happened because Boyle wasn't. So this is a good question from Richard. Is Stahl a better prospect than Miller is now? Yeah. Mark Stahl was a top, top prospect. And Mark Stahl was highly regarded because he won gold at the world juniors. um, uh, And he shut down Evgeny Malkin. He, he was all over Malkin like white on rice in uh, the, um, in the gold medal game between Russia and uh, Canada in 2005. So Stahl was a warrior. Which, by the way, what I think was a benefit of the Rangers in 2014 is that they were able – it didn't seem like it right away because they just stacked that top line of uh, Malkin, Crosby, and Kunitz and then got off to the 3-1 lead. But when Chris Kreider coming back, Henrik Lundqvist becoming a wall, but also Mark Stahl was matching up better against all the secondary guys, him and Kevin Klein's um, uh, pairing, that – they were able to come back from the 3-1 deficit. And then they did it again the next year. And uh, Stahl was still an elite-level defensive defenseman. In 2014? I don't know about that. That elite-level? No. Good? If I I lower to very good, is that a way to say that? (sighs) Clean it up a little bit better? That's tough. I I mean, I, I still think he was decent at that point. I, I do think that there were a lot of deficiencies that he had that were really masked by Anton Strawman's play. Yeah. Um, but I, this this <laughs> sums it up for me. It, it, Stahl doesn't get the appreciation because his best years did not coincide with the Rangers' best years, and that's absolutely true because Mark Stahl from like 08 to like 2011 was a monster, and he was mm-hmm. one of, I would say – defensively he was one of the top five best shutdown defenders in the entire league 
from like 09 to like 2011, he was he was an elite shutdown defender. Like you put him against Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin, Getzlaff, all the top forwards at the time. He was just so good defensively. But he just, like David said here, Stahl never had the offensive side to be elite. Yeah. So that that was it. Um, I don't know why Jacob Slavin is the guy I want to compare him to, but that's not going to be fair in any way, right? Yeah, I think Jacob Slavin's a better skater than Mark Stahl ever was, but th- no, yeah. it, it is a good comparison because that's the type of game that Mark Stahl played at his peak. Okay, good. I thought I was going to mess that one up at first. No. But no, Mark Stahl, I mean, and um, he was he was the guy that they drafted in the Sidney Crosby draft. I mean, first round draft pick. And again, you say the name, you know, uh, somebody said one time, uh, if Eli Manning's name was Jones, would people look at him the same way? Well, the Stahl name has a lot of weight in hockey circles. So. You're right about that, but Mark Stahl, he really was a very good player before all the injuries and and everything happened. It, it just mm-hmm. the the big part about Mark Stahl is, like I said, it was a pylon for him. It, it was a snowball effect where the injuries happened, then the speed of the game started to increase in a very short time. Like 2012, the speed of the game wasn't there yet. They were still kind of in that like sludgy type game where it was you know, shot blockers and grinders and stuff like that. But like 2013, 14 in that range, like the game took a drastic turn and it started becoming played very fast. And, and teams started, you started seeing teams having three or more lines that could score like the Rangers. Look at the Rangers, that third line. Broussard, Zuccarello, Pouliot. That wasn't a, a line of grinders. That was a line of guys who could score. Pouliot just happened to be a physical presence. And Zuccarello just wouldn't take crap from anybody. So, yeah, that that was the thing. You know, a lot of teams started going towards that. And, yeah, that was a very good goal. Yeah, and we all know exactly what goal that was. And, of course, Steven telling us Mark Stahl was a top 10 talent. Uh, 100% right. Uh, I did, by the way, see one comment that, uh, well, yeah. Also, by the way, Eli Manning was a two-time Super Bowl MVP. MVP, yeah. I'm just and saying. Tom Brady was when, times yeah. to win those MVPs. Yeah. You're talking about building. Uh, I haven't seen the Shorzy trailer, uh, but I do have to address this one. Um, Yanni Gord, I think his contract is going to prevent him from getting moved because everybody would love everybody would love a Yanni Gord on your team. Yeah, Chris T. I don't think uh, Seattle moves Yanni Gord. I, I, I think if anything, that that's one of the guys that they would hold on to. I, I do think that Jared McCann could get moved, but with the season that he's having and the fact that he's a restricted free agent at the end of his deal, they, they might opt to keep on to him, even though I think that they could get a, Pretty big return for him right now. Yeah, uh, Yanni Gord, uh, he's in his third year of a six-year deal. He's got a modified no-trade clause that kicks in uh, at the beginning of the next uh, year. And, yeah. Again, Stevens, uh, right, they, they, they should have targeted Yanni Gord over Gaudreau. But, uh, again, that was going to be available. He, he wasn't available in free agency. You would have had to trade for him, and I don't know if the Rangers wanted to make the type of move 
there. Um, also, his contract is a bit higher, too. So, you know. Yeah, I, I've been saying, by the way, and I'm going to click on the Seattle Kraken, uh, one guy the Rangers should look into because he might be available is Kelly uh, Crook. And yeah, he is a UFA at the end of next season, but a lot of people are going to want him. And by the way, what's he? what does he play? Left center. wing, center, right wing. Yes. You want that flexibility. I, I, I totally agree with you. He'd be – I, if you told me that the Rangers were going to go out and get a package for Cali Yonkroak and Mark Giordano, I, I'd be very happy with that, depending on what's going the other way. Yeah. Uh, Davey, hey, how you doing? Hey, Davey. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I, I'm not really too concerned about the Olympics. Well, NHL but that, but that's the women you're talking about, right? Uh, I would assume Davey's talking about the women because, yeah. The- yeah, because the men, the USA beat Canada for the men. Uh, that was a question I kind of wanted to throw out there for at one point. Is that, where does that rank as far as a, you know what? Hold on. By the way, I got to put this in there. Steven, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm buying we, around. Yeah. If we do that, Steven, yeah, definitely. By the way, uh, quick shout out to Wardy NHL and also Wardy uh, Mets because uh, I was uh, just commenting on the podcast. I forgot that actually I had uh, um, my the Big Apple Hockey I was logged in. I thought I was logged in under me, and Tyler gave a shout out for us. So thank you very much, to thank Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Thank yeah, Stephen. And also, let's go Mets <laughs> because I'm not as much. Of a, yeah. Uh, well, we're, we're working on a baseball game at some point. Hmm. But um, uh, I, I I think USA women's hockey and uh, the women's hockey in general, everything's getting better. Uh, Finland, uh, they just beat Switzerland in the bronze medal. Uh, they looked really good. Uh, but you know what? The the USA women, they're them in Canada. They're, that's just you can you can just. Just I'll pay money to see that all the time. I don't need a women's professional league. Just just give me those two. But um, where were? Oh yeah. But so yeah, Cal Yarncrook is the guy that I would take right now for the Rangers, and the, I, I would pri- prioritize Cal Yarncrook way over JT Miller. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I I just think JT Miller is gonna gonna cost too much. I, I I actually I don't think that he gets moved. I really don't think JT Miller gets moved because I think Vancouver is not getting the offers that they want, and that's why they keep leaking this garbage to Saravali, Drance, and Dalawal that the Rangers have next level interest. Okay, if there's next level interest, why hasn't Vince Mercogliano? reported it colin stevenson hasn't reported it larry brooks hasn't said much about it i'm hearing myself out go mark by the way oh okay i'll i'll click yeah. on that again uh i don't understand why that's happening right now but so yeah Ra- rangers review is now steven and tyler's uh you know thing so that's that's what they are now but it's uh yeah it's rangers review and um again oh, the channels uh, rangers review yeah the channels rangers review yeah okay so but um yeah it, it's i i don't see anything coming from the new york beat writers 
And if they were getting the Except offer. Except for Larry Brooks, who will write a story about anything. Larry Brooks also went out there and wrote a story about the Rangers possibly dealing Lafreniere to Vancouver because Emily Costingay is one of their assistant GMs now. Get out of here. Uh, there's a there's a difference between Larry reporting and Larry just throwing his musings out there. Larry hasn't reported anything on this. No one from New York is really reporting anything on this. So it's all coming from Vancouver. It's all coming from Saravalli, Drance, and Dalawal. It, it, it's coming from guys that Vancouver's leaking information to because they want to drive the market value up on them because they're mm-hmm. not getting the offers. And the Tyler Toffoli return confirmed that. Tyler Toffoli got a bunch of quantity, not quality. Who did they get? They got a top 10 protected first round pick. They got a fringe NHL player at this point, even though Tyler Pitlick used to be a pretty good fourth liner. He's now a fringe NHL player. They got a mid-level prospect in Emil Heinen. They got, what, a fourth-round pick in that deal as well? It's quantity. It's not quality. It looks like a lot, but it's not. So that's why they're doing this. Jack's got a comment right here, and I understand what he's trying to say, um, where it's with Kako out, give Heedle a shot on the right wing. Here's the thing. You drafted Philip Heedle to be a center. I don't need another – I was going to say like a Brandon Dubinsky where a guy that just, he just lost his center job and then never really found another spot on the Rangers. They moved them. Brandon Dubinsky had a good career with Columbus blue jackets. I'm not knocking Brandon Dubinsky as a center or a player or anything. I'm just saying when he was a Rangers, he just, he had promise, but they couldn't figure out exactly where to fit him. And then he ended up moving on. That's what's going to happen with Filipino. I don't see. I don't see where Filipino fits in. You need Filipino yeah. at, at best to be a center, either to take Ryan Strom's job or to be a third line center that can drive play. And he's not any of those right now for the New York Rangers. So, no, I, I'd move on from Filipino. Um, yeah, I, I I think he's gone. Come the offseason I, I don't see him lasting here I just don't it, it to me I don't think he has a spot I, I think he's lost a spot I I, I think there creates a log jam I think they want a more of a traditional better defensive more grittier center in the bottom six that can um you know provide offense Filipino really hasn't even provided much offense for the team what, what is he doing for this team yeah uh, it's it's it, everything I thought I saw on that kid when he came up. I just don't see it as much anymore. No, and I don't it's um, this is where you get to the point of change of scenery helps both the team and the player. And uh, I think and, and 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 again, I know exactly what you're saying there, Jack. It's okay. Yeah, we we know what and, you're saying, Jack. But they've tried it already and it hasn't worked. And I I, I don't I don't think that you you really even want to go down that road again because the chemistry just wasn't there. Um, I, I just don't even, I don't think they're going to try it again. I think that they've all, I think if this Rangers organization has checked out on him, if you ask me, I, I think they're moving on and I think you'll see it come the off season. He's gone. So, yeah, actually I think it's going to be the trade deadline. I don't think he's going to be you, here. You know what? If the right deal comes along where they could get a player with, term beyond this season depending on who it is i could absolutely see that too but even at that like if they're trying to like i'm, I'm still looking at seattle right now no michael me, 
Michael DeBrusque is not happening. Boston tried him on the right wing. He can't play right wing. And that's why DeBrusque to the Rangers is not going to happen, Michael. Sorry, yeah. just not. By the way, hey, Mike. And um, I, again, looking at the uh, Seattle, you got uh, Yarn. If you're telling me you can get Yarn Crook and maybe Mark Giordano, you're going to need to throw Filipino in there. And I know, uh, and I know when I say that, I'm not like saying he's the centerpiece of a trade. It's because they're going to have to throw some other stuff in there. The guy that they need to they, they need to give a shot at right wing on the top lines as soon as his season's over is Vitaly Kratsov. I lost you for a second, Phil. Hold on, wait, see if we got it. Okay, I got it. Can you hear me? Oh, you got it. I got it. You're back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I was trying to, I guess the internet just went out there. But, um, yeah, um, Steven uh, highlighted that. And then Core, you know, with this, just it, 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 I, Patrick Nemeth cannot be playing. Yeah, Steven, I, I get it. Nice one. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, so but going back to that, but yeah, it, it just Nemeth cannot be in the lineup, and it, it, this just shows you that they that the the incompetence of this organization just knows no bounds. They have to if if they're not if they're that if if they're that unsure about Jones, then how the hell do you have someone who's proven to be garbage like Nemeth in the lineup? He's well, here. Here's here's one thing I that I have to go back and and say on this a little bit. If you have a rookie defenseman in your lineup and and a first year defenseman at that too, another one, you you possibly could do something in the playoffs. If you tell me you have two rookie defensemen in your lineup playing every day, I don't care how good they are. You're no, it's just not going to happen. It's uh, and and I do think Jones and Schneider are going to be great for the Rangers next year when they're both not rookies. And yeah, well, actually I could freeze them again, Cora. I could just say, Peter Lavi, damn it. I screwed it up. Peter Laviolette. Hey! <laughs> um, Christie's asking about it. And John, uh, John Lee was talking about it earlier. Johan Lawson from Arizona. Yeah, I, I, he's a good player. Um, he would definitely fit in the bottom six. Uh, I do think that they need upgrades in the bottom six, but I think they need upgrade in the top six as well. So, mm -hmm. Oh, God. Here, uh, an Enzo Amore reference for all the wrestling fans. Patrick Nemeth is six foot – I know, what is he, six foot four, six foot five? Uh, yeah. And you can't teach that. You can't that. teach height. It's no. the old basketball thing. No, that well, it that's that he's Grant is quote uh, quoting uh, a wrestler, a former WWE wrestler. So that's why he puts the the dots in there to for the spacing because you can't teach that. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, you can't teach Mike uh, Mike skills in wrestling either, Ziggy. You're right about that. But, but um, it's a, it, it definitely is something where I think they might you might see a little bit of Nemeth, but Nemeth is going to play his way right out of the lineup. So, 
a lot. I, I, I have little to no faith in Gallant anymore with some of these lineup decisions because he keeps inserting guys like Dryden Hunt into the lineup when Dryden Hunt's been awful. It, it's time to start taking uh, Greg McKegg. Greg McKegg is awful at hockey. He's awful at hockey. Yeah. Like, I, I, I saw him pass up on making a pass that would have been a clear breaking pass. And he didn't even have to thread it onto the tape. He could have made an area pass and he would have broke it. So, yeah. Yeah. Kegger. It's the only and, good thing about him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Th- this is basically everybody who defends Patrick Nemeth just, I, you don't, I'm sorry, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about, and that's it. There's no argument at this point. I, I, I see people defending him, and the people that defend him know li- little to nothing about hockey. To have a guy that can make the same exact mistake in back-to-back games against a, ba- a really bad team and then do it against a really good team in the same exact spot on the ice, in the same exact type of play where his mm. partner was in the same exact position, shows that he knows nothing about hockey and he cannot learn things. It's yeah. dumb. Which, I mean, that's part of being human. You're supposed to be able to learn things. Uh, who do you guys want to rent as a top six forward? Uh, I, I don't know. I, again, I'm not in any rush to get a top six forward. I definitely definitely don't want JT Miller. I've said this over and over again. I It's nothing against JT Miller, but the Rangers need to add to their bottom six, not their top six. Yeah, and John, you're right about this one. Oh, and also Patrick Nemeth tries to kill our goalies. <laughs> um, Nikolai Ehlers would be great. Yes, that's in there. Um, yes, just no JT Miller. I mean, he's he's gonna want to go spend all of his time at Bethpage Golf Course again. Um, but that's a different story. But it's uh, you know, uh. Jonathan Tanner, that's what I could actually call him, but you just call him Tanner. It's just they need to improve their bottom six, and I don't see how they're how adding JT Miller is going to help that. Thanks, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. Appreciate that. Um, I know that there was another um, donation made before. So, oh, I, I actually have let you just do all the comments. So, yeah, no, there was another one earlier on. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the very first one. There was another one. Um, I think it was from Kurt, actually. Um, I, I wanted to highlight that, but thank you, Kurt, if you're still watching. We appreciate that as well. So, And uh, by the way, Court, Justin isn't exactly a good name in Canada right now. But, uh, yeah, Justin Huberto. <laughs> oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, no, but also, like, until you give – I think if you give uh, Turk a different options, he's, he's not going to run Nemeth out there. So – just that simple. What about David here? What about Heedle and a first for Dvorak? No, thanks. Dvorak no. isn't. No. We've just – Dvorak has already proven that he wasn't worth the return that he got from uh, – that he got uh, – that Arizona got from him. So, good. good no, for Montreal me, for, for me, the Montreal guys that I would target, um, Cedric Paquette, um, I'm just going to say, obviously, uh, uh, Ben Sherratt, because everybody wants Ben Sherratt, but not necessarily what you need to. Uh, Lekkonen uh, would be another one. 
And we were talking about this earlier today about how there's some guys that um, Lego rocks mispronounces their names badly. I guess we, we all have like pronunciation blind spots. But, uh, see Jake yeah, uh, Richard, I'm cool with kicking the tires on Phil Kessel. I mean, it'll, it won't cost much. And I think he's a big rebound candidate. I think with a change of scenery and some better players around him, I think you'd get a lot out of Phil Kessel. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? This is a really good player. Uh, Dick Gazinia. So. <laughs> um, Brock, Phil, Phil wants to hide so badly right now. Um, Since we got you in the chat, even though we're going to be kicking this off soon, so uh, any chance any prospects are coming up, Stephen? Um, we could possibly see Brennan Hoffman next year. Uh, I mean, that's well, – I think that's definite now. I, I, I think there's a, a good chance we could. Um, I, I, I think – on the off chance that maybe Ryder Korzak's development somehow, you know, takes a massive spike. Um, I would say Morgan Barron should, should have a spot next year. I mean, if he doesn't have a spot next year, then when the hell is this kid going to get a spot? Yeah. Again, you cannot continue to stop running Greg McKegg out there. The guy sucks. Sucks. He's awful at hockey. Like, if he was an ice cream player, he'd be Vanilla Bean. He sucks. He's just there. He doesn't help. He may not hurt you a whole lot, but he doesn't help. He doesn't do anything. All he can do is skate okay. He's not even a great skater. He's an okay skater. That's it. That's it. His hockey sense, meh. His, his, his stick handling, meh. By the way, and again... Again, I think Steven hit on another another reason with this. That's why I don't think they're going to do anything to jeopardize um, Ottman or Cooley or maybe even a Pionemi, uh, their, their spots on this team next year. It's, yeah. So, okay. yeah. So, so, vanilla bean is not a spice. The, all right. So, then, you know what Greg McKegg is? Unflavored oatmeal. Unflavored oatmeal. It sucks. And if you guys did not see it last week, there is our John Fulkowski and his love of his life, Patrick Nemeth. Get that out of here. <laughs> There's always a guy you always just look, can't help but look at and go, to get this guy off my team. Even when your team is good, you're just like, get him off my team. It's it's not even just that. It's just the, the guy sucks. He's no, awful at hockey. Like, I have some idiot on Twitter telling me that – Oh, I don't know what to look for when playing defense. Guy, I've been playing defense longer than a lot of these guys that are running around on Twitter, the keyboard warriors, have been alive. And, and, and that's not – and I've been playing hockey for about 30 years. Like, this is stupid. This is stupid. You're telling me that Patrick Nemeth is a good defender? Tell me more about how your head is lodged in your ass when you watch hockey games. You have any thoughts on Slovakia winning the bronze? Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I just can't really get into this Olympics. 
I, yeah, I, I know. I it's, it's hard to get into this Olympics, but yeah. yeah and by I, the I, way, I Rob, I'd agree with you on that. That, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with Rob on that one. I, I would be pissed that McKegg is getting more ice time too than. than... I just, I just want to make sure. I haven't looked this, this up, but there is zero chance Sammy Blake can come back for the playoffs, right? Uh, I doubt it. Uh, if they make a deep run, maybe, but he injured his knee in what, November? So Yeah, January, November. January, February, March, April. I mean, maybe if they, yeah. It, it, usually torn ACL is a six-month process. So, Yeah. By the way, I put in Sammy, and Sammy the Bull Gravano is what came up. Huh. So... Uh, yeah, this it's November 16th, which again, you know, great job. Uh, great job, uh, PK. So, um, it's, uh, I mean, cause again, cause that would help the bottom six cause you get another guy and again, like torn ACL, but the fact that the season is ending in April, like 29th or 30th. And they don't even start the first round. And I, I think there's a chance the Rangers win around because I like their goaltending of any of the matchups that they're going to have. Where is Anthony Greco? Okay, there's another one. Um, I mean, it's... I, I think Gauthier has possibilities, but not on this team. Uh, Dryden Hunts, he had his hot streak. And he, he had his, his Colin Blackwell moments. And then suddenly reverted back to being dried and hunt. And uh, no. And by the way, yes. Players I would rather play over Nemeth. Yes, I agree with you on all. First off, again, Hayek. Oh, my God. If Jeff Gordon wants to give the Rangers anything for Libor Hayek, take it. Shut up and take our ninth best defenseman. Yeah, please. If if I could get Arturi Lekkinen for Libor Hayek and a pick, I would take that. But I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. That's just a pipe dream. But hopefully Jeff Gordon would be stupid enough to trade for Libor Hayek because he apparently loves Libor Hayek. I mean, you get guys that they read the scouting reports and then they, they have their evaluations and then they go, this guy's just not being used right. There's lots of players that weren't being used correctly. They can move to a different organization and blow up. Uh, yeah. Anthony potato. He's another one. Um, <laughs> I think Steven named the entire, uh, Hartford team. Um, see, I like Carl Henriksen as uh, I just don't know if he's got a future though, but we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, that, that JT Miller trade. They didn't get much out of that. Is Taylor Hall even having a good year with Boston? Oh, we had a goal the other night, but still. I mean, talk about a guy, number one overall draft pick, that just and an MVP winner, and just... Man. Yeah, Hall, 11 goals, 21 assists. Yeah, I'm going to get going, though, because I, I'm going to go get something to eat, and then I want to try to go to the gym before the game. So, Well, you're not alone because I'm going to have to 
uh, go to sleep because I got in at 6 a.m. today. Yay, goody. And uh, but guys, again, the reason why we love doing all the Q&A and everything is because we, we love talking hockey with you guys. So hopefully um, John will be on probably. Uh, are you going to do a final buzzer tomorrow night? Um, I, it would be one tonight, but I, I got to get my car worked on after the game. So I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that today. Um, I don't even know if I'll have time to do it tomorrow either. So probably not. Um, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to have uh, some short videos uh, for my soul stuff. Like I was going to have one Wednesday, but then I ran out of time. Because uh, we're working, we're we're actually almost ready to launch Big Apple Hockey Podcast dot com, um, and there's a lot, there's there's still a lot more work that has to go into that. So we're we're getting we're getting there with everything. So hopefully, hopefully that's all good. But yeah, five o'clock start time tomorrow before the game, and uh, guys, just thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, Obviously, we'll have some of the shorter segments coming up soon. There was a lot that we talked about today. And uh, uh, was that you got in there, Philk? No. Um, oh, Kopitar deserved the MVP in Yeah, because David asked, uh, didn't Hall win the MVP when people said he didn't deserve it? Uh, I, Kopitar should have won the MVP in 2018. When you become the fifth player in NHL history to score 90 points and win the Selkie in the same year on a team where your next two scorers uh, in terms of points are Dustin Brown and Drew Doughty, um, you're you're doing it all offensively and you're doing it all defensively. I get Taylor Hall had that crazy streak that year, but if Taylor Hall doesn't have that streak, he's not sniffing the MVP conversation. And uh, Davey, I always try to schedule at least one day in advance. We're going to be doing more Saturday afternoon shows for a while. Um, and our schedule is going to be changing around just a little bit. But also, obviously, we're going to be publishing videos that are always going to come from these. So first, thank you very much. Because again, everybody, thanks very much for your support. And we'd love to blow up. All of us would. So do, do this instead of the soul-crushing jobs that we have in our lives. All right. And Brody, great seeing you again. So everybody, take it easy. Uh, have a great rest of the week. Um, look for more of our stuff uh, later on. And um, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. Yeah.